literally just recorded my best intro yet and it wasn't recording. Okay, anyways. Hi guys, my name is Mylene. I am a junior at Cal State Fullerton in Southern California studying broadcast journalism and I created this podcast to connect with media professionals and share that content with the world. So my first guest is Naz Perez and I'm so excited because she's someone who I admire so, so much. She has worked with The Bachelor, The Dodgers, Clever News, Rotten Tomatoes, Fandango. She has interviewed such great people, and I'm so excited to be able to share that with the world. So without further ado, here's my interview with Naz Perez. So hi, Naz. Hi, Nyleen. <laughs> hi. <laughs> if you know me, you know that I am so obsessed with Naz. I think I met her at the beginning of college and she's really inspired me in so many ways. And just like leading by example, I feel like she's really breaking barriers for people like me and people of my background. So I just like really why I love her so much and like she's just so amazing oh so if you I know it was so I, nice I feel so old now no I'm just kidding no. <laughs> I'm so kidding. Matt just worked the golden globes yesterday so I wanted to ask you like what was your time frame throughout the day from the moment you woke up like how many days did you work can you just tell me a little bit about your schedule yeah so basically for a show like the golden globes Golden Globes take requires a lot of prep on my end, just for me personally. It's not like anyone's asking me to do it, but like for the standard that I hold myself to, because it's movies and television, you know how Emmys is just TV, Oscars is just movies, Globes is movies and TV. So I started two weeks ago, really like watching stuff that got nominated that I had like never seen before. And then all this week, so I did that last week and then all this week leading, sorry, two weeks ago and last week leading up to the Globes, I, you know, like just read like a bunch of interviews and watched a bunch of interviews with the actors. And then um, Friday we had a read through over Zoom and Saturday I had a rehearsal for the digital show. So I got really lucky. He asked me to host the Twitter live stream, which happens an hour before the Golden Globes. And they asked me to host their E after party, which is on TV, not Twitter, the hour after the Golden Globes. So it was kind of a crazy day because I didn't realize that they were being shot in two different places. Um, I'm not sure if that was because of COVID, but usually the Twitter live stream is like, you know, wherever the big show is. And in this case, we shot the Twitter live stream in the E studio and the big show on TV, the after party was at the Beverly Hilton. So to answer your question, after setting all that up, in the morning I woke up, I went to the Beverly Hilton, I got ready in my first look, and then I took a car to the studio over in, you know, Studio City, shot Twitter Live. Then that ended right as the Golden Globes was starting. So then I had to run into a car and watch the Golden Globes on my phone because I had to talk about the Golden Globes for the after party. So it was like a rush to like get back to the hotel. I was watching it on my phone. Then like when I got in my room, I changed into my second look while I was like continuing to watch as much as the show as I could in the hotel room. And then right around 7.30, like 30 minutes before the Golden Globes ended, we had to set and sort of watch the rest of the show there. And then we went live at eight. So that was like my day, I guess my days in the last two weeks. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I know I was wondering, one of my questions was gonna be like, where do you guys watch the Golden Globes? 
Cause I was like, I know they only had first responders in the audience. So mm-hmm. I was like, wait, where did, like, is there a green room? So that answers that question. Yeah. So we get like the East Coast feed of the Globes and watch it on, we watch it as it's happening, literally. Oh, wow. Yeah. Who, um, for the red carpet, are you able to walk it? So because of COVID, normally the entire driveway going into the Beverly Hilton is filled with press, like filled. It's like the entire red carpet. And it was so weird to see it like literally completely empty aside from like two or three outlets. And E was one of them, which was really cool. Um, But no. So to answer your question, there wasn't really like a real red carpet this year, you know, because no one was walking it. Got it. So... What are the commercial breaks like when you were doing the after party and the way the live stream? I did watch some of the live stream. Did you guys have commercial breaks? No, because it's Twitter. So on the live stream, we don't have commercial breaks. So you're basically live for an entire hour. But what we did have is they have packages that we toss to and play throughout. So news packages are basically like anything a reporter makes. So when news anchors toss to reporters in the field and they'll do their live shot, so it'll be like live, but everything that they shot, the interviews, everything else is not live and that's edited and that's put together and that's called a package. So that's what Naz is talking about. So while a package is playing, like a four minute package, Justin and I, we we had a printed out script, so we would read the next, you know, our next part that would come out of the package and sort of like get ready that way. And then in the after party, there were, there were only four commercials. So we were actually on TV for like a long amount of time. And I hosted the after party with Roxy Diaz and Tanya Rad, and it was our first time all hosting together and working together. So it was like, I think we did pretty okay considering we've never worked together and you have to like build up chemistry. So in the, in those four commercial breaks that we had in between, we really tried to like talk to each other and like see what was happening next. The after party show is really crazy because they're making the show as it's live. They're like, all right, you know, this person just won or this person just posted this on Instagram. We're going to put it up. So it's very like flying at the seat of your pants. You know, you have to really pay attention during commercial break and they're like, this is what we're going to come back with you know and then you just have to be ready to do it yeah it seems like absolute chaos honestly (laughs) but it seems really fun but oh my gosh your looks though can we just talk about (laughs) your two looks and I wanted to ask like how much in advance do you guys get fitted how much prep goes into that essentially yeah so I well I love fashion so like a lot of it um and I'm like uh I'm like big into manifesting so E, I've just started working with E on camera and I've been so grateful and lucky to do so. But I've typically for these shows, they actually don't, I feel like, ask talent until a couple weeks out. And so essentially, I had already worked the Emmys with my stylist, Taylor Arrear. He's amazing. And so I kind of manifested the Globes. I really wanted to work the Globes. So in January, before I even knew that I was working the Globes, I, we, him and I were talking and I was like, if I get to work to the Globes or when I get to work the Globes, I really want to go for an old school Hollywood look. And so I would send him like pictures on like Pinterest and Instagram and like different things. And then luckily he found two amazing dresses by the same designer named um, Youssef Al-Jazmi. He 
dresses like a lot of the Kardashians and stuff. And my, I, I love Kim style. I'm so basic. I'm like such a basic bitch. <laughs> and you um, are as Kardashian. <laughs> you're so funny. And now I know when Justin said that was hilarious. No, basically. Um, so yeah. So since the beginning of January, I was like looking at stuff, but we, I didn't get fitted until the week before the globes. Um, and thankfully it all came together. And I'm always like, when I'm looking at stuff, I'm always like asking myself, like, what would Cher wear, you know? And if Cher would wear it, then I would wear it. You never cease to amaze me. I'm like, what is Naz wearing? I was watching the show and we were like, me and my best friend were like looking at everyone's Instagram, like Zuri, Tanya. And I was like, what? <laughs> She's like, what's Naz wearing? I was like, I don't know, but she always waits later to post. So we're going to have to wait on her. Like, that's so funny. You're so sweet, Nyleen. This is like, so I'm like, it's just, it's very flattering for me because I'm just such a nobody that it's like so funny that you just like take the time. It like means a lot. It's just so funny. Funny. But what was I going to say? Yeah, everyone like posts during. I don't know what, I don't know if it's like my anxiety or and stuff, but like, I think you know, I, I like have a hate love relationship with Instagram and social media. I don't love it. And so when I'm working, I'm, I'm working, you know, and I'm like, I'll post a picture after, you know. Yeah. And you're just in a different headspace. Um, and then I feel like I've just learned from like broadcast careers, it's just such a marathon that all the hosts are older like they're like late 20s early 30s so it's kind of just that's how it goes I've learned yeah it's so funny I remember starting out I love you know I love Kat Sadler so much and I loved G and Kat and I would always like look up their age and it's such a weird thing as a woman you know like being on camera and like eight I don't know there's there's a long conversation we could have surrounding that. But I remember like looking that up and um, I'd be like, all right, well, I have time, you know, like they didn't get it to like this age. And it's so funny. I got, I finally got on E when I turned 30, but it's, it's, everyone has a different journey. You know, Erin Lim, I don't know how old Erin Lim is, but I think I'm definitely older than her and she's been on E for a while. Yeah. So, and she's been on E for years now. So it doesn't, it shouldn't discourage anyone. You shouldn't be like, oh, well, I'm only going to get it when I'm older. I think you can get it whenever you're ready, you know? Yeah. Whenever like it's your time, it's your time of learned essentially. But I wanted to ask about the story of how you got to where you were last night. Can you just tell everyone what made you choose broadcast journalism? Yeah, of course. So it's funny. I am... I don't know. I feel like anyone that goes into this field, I'm sure you were the same Nyleen growing up, but you know, like if you watch like home videos, you're, you know, you're like singing with the hairbrush in front of the mirror and you have like this affinity, you know, to be like in front of the camera. (laughs) It's like this, you know, I feel like everyone shares that like childhood memory that like ends up going into this kind of stuff. Maybe not, maybe that's a generalization, but, um, So I sort of grew up that way. And then I went to college in Orlando at the University of Central Florida. And I didn't even like, I remember not knowing what I wanted to major in. And we took a tour of the campus. You know, when you take a tour with your parents or with someone and the student that was leading the tour, I wish I could like remember his name and tell him that like, he's not the reason I'm sure I would have found it on my own, but you know, they shared their name and they were like, this is what I majored in. And he goes, broadcast journalism. 
And I was like, oh, what's that? And he's like, oh, to be a news anchor. And I was like, oh, I can go to college for like wanting to be on TV. I was like, oh, okay, that's what I want to do. <laughs> like for some reason I hadn't put two and two together until he had like shared that. And so then that's why I went into broadcast journalism essentially. But I, I think I would have found it on my own. I, I have such... I, I was, I'm just so curious about like people and, and what motivates them. So I really like broadcast journalism for interviewing. That's like really why I went into this career, not really, um, to be, you know, like a name or anything. Like I really just like interviewing people. So while you were in college, I know you were more into sports, like what internships and in sports did you have done and how did you get those? Yeah. So I, so I ended up majoring in broadcast journalism, like I told you, and then I found this minor, which like changed my life. Um, it was a minor in sport business management and at the university of central Florida at UCF, um, there's a professor named Dr. Harrison and, um, Dr. Buckstein, or I think it's professor Buckstein. He might be a doctor now, <laughs> but they run this amazing program called the DeVos sports business minor. And that really like ignited this fire in me to go into sports and they had all these connections in sports. And so I really wanted to like intern. So I was interning as much as I could for broadcast journalism at like Fox 35 news and all these different places. But once I joined the minor, they, you know, we took a field trip to ESPN and I got to meet people there. And then Jameel Hill, who, you know, was on ESPN, ended up coming down to teach a course over a summer. And I was so lucky to like be in her course. And like, she's somewhat of a mentor to me still to this day. And she's just so incredible. And so I learned a lot about interviewing from her and I really wanted to go into sports. And so, yeah, that's basically how I got a lot of my internships was just through like connecting and doing one and meeting people that worked at another. And so throughout college, I interned, like I told you at Fox 35 news. Um, I did work for the tennis channel for ESPN, NBA entertainment. And, um, when it came time to graduate, I thought I was going to go into sports and I was working the, the Miami Heat finals. They were playing OKC in 2012, like that summer, right before I graduated in Miami. And I was like a runner, you know, like running tapes from like the arena back to the truck and like labeling them. And, um, and I don't know, there was just like a certain instances that went down. And like, after talking to people in sports and things that I would see, I just decided I didn't want to go into sports anymore. I was like, I don't know if it's really there yet for women in sports. And I just had this fear of like messing something up, like a statistic or I don't know. I, I guess I wasn't like really built for it. You have to have like such a strong backbone because it's so male dominating. It's such a male dominating um, arena. And so I, I remember right before I graduated, um, I decided I wanted to move to LA after watching Juliana Rancic's True Hollywood Story in my dorm. And so I applied for internships in LA. I found this internship on this website called internsushi.com. I don't think it exists anymore, but um, I went on there and there was an internship. Uh, they were taking applications for internships at the Ellen DeGeneres show. And so I applied and I got it. And luckily 
um, you didn't need college credit like they paid because I was taking an internship out of college, which I think, you know, from like hearing me talk all the time, like I highly, highly encourage. And I think when people get out of college, they're like, I want a job. Like I just paid all this money for a major. Like I need a job right now. And I think just like what you said before, slow and steady wins the race. And if you take an internship, it's an easier way to get into the company. And so I went in and I busted my ass and I like worked really hard and they hired me in three weeks. And then I got to stay in LA because I was a PA at Ellen. So I was like making money. And then I didn't want to lose sight of what I always wanted to do. And so I, um, while I was working at Ellen, even though it was an incredible job and, you know, it was like number one daytime talk show and it was really cool. It was like working on a lot and like, you know, driving through different sets, like on a golf cart. It felt, it felt like I had like really gotten to Hollywood, you know, but I also was like, but I really want to work at E. So I drove to E one day and handed this woman, my resume, um, who worked there. Her name was Claudia Kagan. I'll never forget. And then I ended up getting a call a couple months later from NBC Universal. These producers were, they were going to do the a red carpet for the Mexican Billboard Awards. And I think they saw that my last name was Perez and I spoke Spanish. And so they were like, can you work this? And I'll never forget. I don't think if I shared this, but I took a day off working at Ellen just to work it. But I obviously couldn't tell, you know, the people at Ellen that I was like working for someone else that day. And it was actually the day that Taylor Swift was having her outdoor concert. So it's like when they need all hands on deck and like a lot of people wouldn't, wouldn't have probably done what I did. You know, a lot of people probably would have like worked at Ellen that day to like see Taylor, you know, or like just get close to something like that. But I knew that like I had to make connections like in other places. So I ended up working the Mexican Billboard Awards and lucky for me, Sean Smith, the producer and Jerry Johnston, the two guys that run it, they were the ones that were running Eli from the red carpet. And so they were like, you know, if you want a three month gig starting in January, you know, to work award season, the Golden Globes, the SAG Awards, the Grammys and the Oscars, you know, let me know because we always hire like, I think they hire like eight PAs like every award season. And so then I was like, damn, well, I can get into E and like work these amazing things, but I would have to like quit Ellen. And so, you know, as you know, that was so hard for me. I remember like crying in the office and to this woman, like saying, telling her like I was quitting and, and I quit and I went and I did it for E for three months. And I worked with Juliana and Ryan Seacrest on the carpet at the Globes in 2013, which, you know, is crazy because it was the first year Amy Poehler and Tina Fey were hosting, which is why last night was very full circle for me. Um, because that same guy that hired me, Sean Smith was my producer in my ear last night. So it was funny that it's like, you know, my first thing with him was working the Globes in 2013. And then here I was on camera working the Globes for E, you know, in 2021. So totally full circle. Um, I'm so glad I made the jump. But, it, you know, as you know, it wasn't easy. After the Oscars were over, I had no job. I had quit Ellen. I was really like scared. I was like, man, I left that amazing job. And these three months were incredible. But E doesn't have a permanent job for me. You know, this was like freelance. And so I was unemployed for a while. Eventually, E did have like openings in their true Hollywood story department, which was like kind of serendipitous because like that was those shows were the reason those documentaries were the reasons why I wanted to move to L.A. So I worked there for two years. 
Um, and in between those two years, I ended up working for the Style Network once covering the ESPYs because I was taking hosting classes. And Maureen Brown, who is just an incredible hosting coach in LA, she doesn't teach anymore. I wish she did. She would bring people to the classes to like meet all the new and upcoming talent in LA. And so I think a woman that the woman, her name was Tiffany. I can't remember her last name. She was a talent booker at Style Network. I think she had remembered that I said that I love sports and that I was covering like the fashion side of sports because all these athletes started wearing like all this amazing fashion. And so... I had worked for Style Network once in those two years and I like killed it on the SB's red carpet because I knew all the basketball players because I had like worked in sports like all of college and I knew what they were wearing because I loved fashion. Um, but you know, after I worked the ESPYs, they were like, we're going to use you so many more times. And I thought I did it. I was like, I had no agent. I'm 23. Like I'm going to be the, I'm going to be like a host on style network. This is amazing. And then the whole style network got canceled like three weeks later, which was crazy. So then I continued to work at the Hollywood story until we all got laid off at the end of 2014. And I was just like, man, like I got to pay rent. I have producing experience now. Like I was an associate producer at True Hollywood Story. Like I got to work in reality because there's always reality shows. And that's what everyone's watching now. You know, like people aren't watching these documentaries anymore. And so, yeah. So I had a friend who lived in the same building as the line producer of The Bachelor. And that was the only show I really wanted to work on because they travel and it was about love and all this stuff. And so to make a really, really long story short, I ended up working on The Bachelor for two and a half years. I got a job there. And then I decided to leave because I was like, all right, I've been in LA like what, six, seven years now. I haven't even really given hosting a shot. I need to quit because my dream isn't to be executive producer of The Bachelor. So again, just like how I left Ellen, which was really hard, I left The Bachelor because and that was even harder because that was a really good paying job on like a really cool show at the time, you know? So, but if I never left, I would have never been able to do what I do now, which is host for the Dodgers and Rotten Tomatoes. And now, you know, within the last year, I've been doing a lot of hosting for E, which is exciting. And of course, you know, started the, I don't get it podcast with Ashley Akinetti and and her sister, Lauren, who I became best friends with working on the bachelor. Oh, oh my gosh, you guys are so funny. I will just never get, can you hear me? Okay, I'm like making yeah. sure. But you guys are so funny. I started listening to I Don't Get It in 2018, like the end of 2018. And it just got me into podcasts a lot. It was kind of like the gateway, like my first like got me into, I was like, well, I have to watch The Bachelor now because I need to know what they're talking about. Oh, so you found the podcast first? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. So I haven't really seen much of Ashley on The Bachelor except for YouTube clips. Oh, how did you find the podcast? It was because I met you at an event. I don't know if you remember. It was like a club event at Cal State Fullerton. And then I was just like, oh my gosh, like I have to start listening. Like I just want to know more. And then I just like, the rest is history after that, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. No, I remember that was like, I think it was the first time I ever spoke at Cal State Fullerton. Yeah. And then I took a boomerang with you. I don't know if you remember, but I think I was the first person to ask. Cause I was like, I just had a feeling I was like, I need to capture this moment. Cause I was like, 
<laughs> I'm just a very nostalgic memory keepsake person. Yeah. So I take pictures of everything and I just like, I just need to Love keep it. record of it. So I'm happy I have that now. Yay, me too. That makes me so happy. So, but I did want to ask, what kept you going? I don't know how to answer this question. I think I just, I think a part of it I, was me just trying to make ends meet, you know, and really just, I don't know. I've just always been someone that feels like anyone can manifest anything and that you can have anything you want in life if you really try hard. And I know that like, that sounds silly, right? Because so many people are like, well, you know, if I live, if I want to like dig up fossils in Antarctica and I don't live there, like that's not easy. You know, I don't know. I've, I've always like been up for a challenge. I think it's also because um, my parents never really gave me much growing up. So I think I've always had this like inner drive to like have to do things for myself in order to like live the life that I want to live. And I think that's like really, really driven me. Um, but yeah, it's hard. I mean, this is not easy. Everyone has their own journey. A lot of my friends that are hosts just went straight into hosting at Clever, you know, which was this YouTube channel that I worked at for a little bit. Um, I didn't. I was a producer first and then took a step back and then became a host. So everybody's journey is different, but there's so many ups and downs. I got laid off. I left different things. As I told you, the Style Network got canceled. There's shows that went away. Clever went away for a little bit. Like it's it's been such an insane roller coaster so you have to like want it so bad to stay on and a lot of people don't want it and i totally respect that like a lot of people need stability and yeah not everyone can thrive in the environment of like not knowing where your next job's going to be you know i've been so fortunate and lucky that i I finally feel like in the last two years, I have stability now that I'm like kind of full-time at Rotten Tomatoes. I've always wondered this. Like, are you a first-generation college student? Can you like help me define like this word? Because I argue with people all the time on what first-generation and second-generation means. First-generation means you're the first generation to go to college from your family. It means your parents, it means your parents didn't go to college. So it doesn't matter if like your aunt oh, went. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, my parents did go to college. Oh, okay. Where did they go? That's a great question. So my parents actually met in college. Both of my parents were met, were, um, were born in Dominican Republic, but my dad moved over to the United States at a very young age and he moved to Queens, New York. And so my dad, you know, he grew up in New York and he very much assimilated to American culture because he grew up here. My mom didn't move to the United States until she was 18. Um, you know, so she has like a little bit of an accent. Um, she's more Dominican, but both my parents actually met at Kingsborough Community College in New York in Dominican Club, I think it was. <laughs> like it was like a club of like Dominican oh people. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, so cute. Yeah, and I've heard yeah. that at the East Coast. Um over here the Hispanics are always Mexican and that over there it's mm -hmm. Puerto Rican and Dominican. So I yeah, think that's just I'm exactly I'm from South Florida. So um a lot of the Spanish there is from the Caribbean, you know, or or South America and LA is like I, I think you can say predominantly like Mexican for sure. Well, I did want to play, before we wrap up, a quick game of word association, because I think these are just so funny. I love So, these. like, the first word uh, that, that comes to your mind. So, the first one is Gen Z. TikTok. 
TikTok. <laughs> yeah. No, I meant like the next one is TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> um, long time. Waste of time. <laughs> Kardashians. Courtney. Social media. Instagram. Okay, the next one is Instagram. <laughs> this is so funny. Um, filters. Millennial. Hmm. Uh, me. <laughs> Entertainment. E. NASA. Oh, I love that one. Um, my dad. My dad's like the reason why I like love space so much. Oh, yeah. that's so cute. Okay. Yeah. All right. The last one is McDonald's. Oh, Eminem McFlurry. <laughs> Those are the best words. So if you were <laughs> so if you were to order, I did write this down. If you were to order one thing from McDonald's and you you couldn't have the other things, what would it be McFlurry? Oh, a hundred percent. Like I am I am unhealthily obsessed with the Eminem McFlurry that like I have dreams about it sometimes. And I, I have it like every Sunday night, I have an Eminem McFlurry and a large French fry from McDonald's. It is It is like my favorite thing in the entire world. I feel like we need to bring awareness to the McFlurry. Like it doesn't get the recognition it deserves. And it's easily like the greatest dessert that America has to offer to the world, I feel. Whenever I think of McFlurry, I just think of the video of Kim Kardashian going through the drive-thru and she's like, have a free McFlurry. I'm like, wow, look at her getting free McFlurries. <laughs> Wait, she did? I don't remember that. The video online that she's going through the drive-thru and then they're like, we feel like you have a celebrity in your car because it's like one of those, you know, the, S- the black SUV super tinted. So then they're like, if you roll it down yeah. and then they said, if you roll it down, we'll give you a free McFlurry. So then they roll it down and they're like screaming. I'm just like, oh my God, that's oh my so God, funny. funny. Oh my God, that's so funny. <laughs> wow, that would be a moment if that were to happen to me. That's crazy. And then she's just like, yeah. I know, can you imagine it in and out? You're like... <laughs> and then they all have their phones out. I'm like, oh my gosh, I would never be allowed to do that. But that's just so funny. Wait, I want to play word association with you now. Kardashian. Iconic. In and out. Uh. <laughs> like just uh. Because I just think of work. So I'm like, like I just think of going to work. I know that's that's funny because that's how I think of Victoria's Secret because I worked there for so long. So I I never even want to walk into one. It stresses me out. That's so funny. I know you guys have um, to do the credit card thing, so that's so hard to do. Oh my God. Yeah. We have to sell. So I would feel so bad, but also like folding the panties is like the worst thing ever. Um, okay. Let's see. Um, podcast. Binge. Television. Streaming. Instagram. Why is this so hard? <laughs> I was, I think of scroll, like just scroll. I guess I would Scrolling, say, yeah. yeah. That's why I said, well, for TikTok, I said waste time because that's what I think of. But what about TikTok? Gen Z. 
Yeah, exactly. I think of like Gen Z in the hype house and like that craze. Right. I love it. I love that game. I know it's so fun, but then like sometimes you just forget to think. I know. You're like, wait, what? Yeah, like in any other um, context, you would be able to think of something, but then you're just like, wow, I don't know. I know. That's how I feel like when we have to play like card games and stuff i'm like i would be so good if i was playing on my own but like when you're like in a group of people you know you have to guess things or it's trivia like i just my brain's like nope thank you i don't want to do this (laughs) what's your favorite card game um that's a good question i don't really like playing cards because i'm not good at them when i go to vegas like the one the cosmopolitan has like a table where you can play war and you know like you just like flip literally cards over. And if it's like, you know, the number, I think that's how I, I don't even remember. God, this is how bad I am my cards. I just love war because it's so easy. All you have to do is flip a card and you have a 50, 50 chance of getting money. <laughs> so that's what I oh, did. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. What was your favorite thing about college? Being in a sorority for sure. Yeah. You Look, were in it all four years, huh? Yeah. I like joined freshman year and just living in the house. It was just, it's like, so like, you'll never do that in your life. You know, like I'll never again live in a house with like 40 other women. Like that's just such a unique, specific American experience. Like they don't have that in other countries. So to me, that was like the best thing. And it, and it honestly just taught me so much and like really made me who I am. Like even the recruitment process, like learning how to talk to girls every day. And like, you know, that's a form of interviewing in a way too. So I feel like it really like, um, it really made me appreciate people in like a different way than I hadn't, I hadn't been exposed to before I joined. Oh, that's so cute. And Naz is in ZTA, so. Yes, you're my fellow Zeta. Only the best in the crown. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. Oh my God, of course. I should have said this in the beginning, but I just admire like your work ethic so much. And it's been so much fun to like watch your journey and like just have you as like a friend in life and like supporter of the podcast and and me in general. And um, I'm super excited for you. I think you're like really doing it. And and I'm so excited to like listen to your future podcasts. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. You're going to make me blush. But yeah, of course, I'm forever in your corner. I just support everything you do. So, Well, me too. I'm in your corner as well. Okay. And my heart is so full. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you learned something from that interview. And you can find Naz at Naz Perez. You can find her podcast at I Don't Get It Podcast and her support group for the Heartbroken is also linked in her bio. It's called Heartbroken Anonymous. I forgot to touch on that, but you live and you learn and you know next time. I feel like she just has so much. You could honestly have like a two hour interview with her in order to get everything out. So that's that. And I am so excited to share my next interview and just all my coming episodes. So Thank you so much. I hope you learned something. But until then, I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.